We've read it a lot this evening, particularly in Joshua chapter 1. It comes up several times about the idea of being strong and courageous. I wonder what comes to your mind, first of all, when you think of the word courage. Maybe you're a bit like me. I automatically think of when there's a spider in the house, and I have no courage whatsoever, and I go and ask Justine, Justine, there's, there's a spider in the kitchen, would you mind? And she does. Um, she's a lot braver than I am when it comes to things like that. Or maybe you think of something a lot more sort of noble and valiant, isn't that the word we were singing, than that? I'm sure you're familiar with the Victoria Cross. It's the highest and most prestigious award um, of the British Honour System. It's awarded for valour, particularly in the presence of the enemy uh, to members of the armed forces. And last year, I had uh, the duty or privilege or whatever you might call it of playing the organ at a service in Church House, which commemorated 100 years since the end of the First World War and which honored the 40 or so men from Ireland who were awarded the Victoria Cross. I felt very out of place. It was a very fancy sort of do. The moderator took the service and there were all kinds of politicians and whoever else there, the Lord Chief Lieutenant of County Antrim or something like that was there. And there were all these people who I, I didn't know who they were, but it was all very fancy. But at various points during the service, tributes were, were read out to each of those 40 men who received the Victoria Cross and, and just a sentence or two about each one, about which regiment they were in and, and what their acts of bravery had been. And I'm not somebody who is particularly interested in military history or anything like that, but the stories were absolutely remarkable. They were incredible. Talk of men who ran out into gunfire to save others, who jumped on top of mines, knowing that there would be certain death, all in the vein of saving one or more of their comrades. Some of the men were doctors who ran out to help those who had been struck down, and they ran out into danger, and many of them were injured or killed themselves. Others were soldiers who just ran out of ammunition but ran towards the enemy with knives or bayonets or whatever they had just to try and save some of their comrades. Some courage. Where does courage come from? Well, I suppose you could say a number of things about that. For me, with the spiders, well, if I'm home with the girls on my own and Justine isn't there and Sarah comes running and says, Daddy, there's a spider running across the floor, I will pluck up the courage to deal with it. I don't like it, but I will do it. I suppose you might say the source of that courage is love for my children, a desire to protect them. But obviously that's not close to being on the same scale of some of these guys who were honored with a Victoria Cross. What was the source of their courage? Maybe love for their comrades or love for their country, passion, loyalty, a desire to thwart the enemy, a desire to protect those who were at home from the enemy who were advancing, compassion on those who were injured. I'm sure we could think of many reasons why those men might have been courageous and how many other men and women who put their lives on the line to secure our freedom in two world wars and and in other conflicts too. But we read in Joshua a lot about courage. Chapter 1 and verse 6 Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, again, 
Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be the opposite of courage. Discouraged. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So there's a lot in here about courage. God repeatedly commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. And and the word that we have translated as courageous really is strength. It's another word to be strong. Really, it says to be strong and strong, strong and courageous. So what does it mean for Joshua? And what does any of it mean as we seek to follow Jesus in our lives? Well, I'm sure if you're a follower of Jesus, you'll know that courage is required courage in the workplace or or in school or in college or wherever where maybe you're the only Christian there and and the conversation mightn't be too wholesome or, or it might be derogatory towards you and towards your faith. Courage to share the gospel with somebody. Courage to speak out. Courage to step up and take that opportunity of service that maybe at church or with an organization or even somewhere else, but you might have a sense that God is calling or leading you to do something You need courage to step up and explore whether that's the case rather than just ignoring it and staying comfortable where you are. Courage is an important commodity for the Christian life. But in the Bible, courage doesn't come from within a person or because of love for others or loyalty to a country. And those might be good things and they might be the source of some strength. But real godly courage ultimately doesn't come from any of those but instead comes from being in the presence of God. Real godly courage comes from being in the presence of God. Again in verse 9, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. A little earlier on, we have those words from Deuteronomy repeated, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's why Joshua could be strong and courageous. Not afraid, not discouraged, because God was with him. And that's the key to it all. God was with him. It wasn't going to come from his leadership style or, 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 his, or his wisdom, not from the might of his military. He had a big army of people, not from the praise of his people. And that's part of what we didn't read in verse 3, that God says that Joshua would be loved and praised by the people in the same way that Moses was. And so what happens when they, when they cross the Jordan, the people honor Joshua There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but the root of Joshua's courage was to be the one thing that mattered most. It was to be God's presence. And this is a recurring theme in Scripture. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is Exodus chapter 3. It's Moses at the burning bush. Um, It's not just because I'm a Presbyterian. Um, It's actually because Moses is, is afraid of the task. Moses is reluctant. Moses says in verse 11, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And I find it actually quite funny that God doesn't say, actually, Moses, I think you are a good man. I think you're the right man for the job. I've given you this ability, and I think you could persuade Pharaoh. He just completely ignores the question, and God simply says, I will be with you. That's it. He doesn't address Moses at all. He just says, I will be with you. That's all Moses was going to need, and it's all Joshua was going to need. What about Psalm 23? Probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid. 
I'll have courage. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Matthew chapter 1, what does the angel say to Mary? Mary must have been petrified. Do not be afraid. What was the son? Who was he going to be? He was going to be Emmanuel, God with us. This is the promise that we have ourselves from Jesus. We looked at it when we looked at Deuteronomy 31 the last time. The book of Hebrews quotes this, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. It's a promise we have from Jesus. He himself says it at the end of Matthew's gospel, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. We need courage in our Christian lives. We need courage in the task that he has given us to to make disciples and to be his witnesses. But we can be courageous because he is with us. This is the courage that Joshua had in his God, and this is the courage that we can have in God through Jesus Christ. God is with us. And that's why we can face anything that life throws at us with courage. Where does our courage come from? It comes from the fact that God is with us. But I suppose we we might ask, and maybe it's a bit of a silly question, but we might ask, well, why? Yeah, okay, things might be difficult, but why really do we need this courage? Because often in church, we talk about the gospel, and we talk about God's love, we talk about sin, we talk about his grace, we talk about freedom from sin, we talk about obedience in the Christian life, but we don't actually often talk a lot about courage, about a lack of fear, even though the Bible tells us so many times not to be afraid. Somebody told me once that the Bible says, do not be afraid 365 times, one for every day of the year. I don't know whether that's true or not. I haven't counted, but maybe it is true. But we don't talk about it much. We don't talk about not fearing. We don't talk a lot about courage, but it's important. And there are a number of reasons why. I think one reason that we need to be courageous is so that we can fulfill the tasks God has for us. In verse 6, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. For Joshua, his task was to conquer and to distribute the land. Before the Israelites could possess the land, they would first have to conquer it. Now, some of them were going to stay behind, and that's the northern and southern kingdom thing you have going on a little bit later. But for now, they were going to cross the Jordan and they were going to take the land of the Canaanites. The Canaanites weren't just going to walk out of the promised land, just see the Israelites and wave and kind of flick the light out on the way out. That was the Canaanites' land. They were going to have to be fought. Joshua needed strength and courage to lead the Israelites into battle. But even more importantly, Joshua was to have strength and courage because their victory couldn't come from any military shrewdness or from might, but from the promise of God. God had chosen this land a long time ago for his people, for Abraham. Now, our tasks for God might not, and I hope won't, be quite as drastic as storming a city to claim land in any kind of military sense. But the people of God do have a task And it's actually not that different from what the Israelites' task is here. Because here, the Israelites are establishing the kingdom of God. They're starting to build his kingdom here on earth. And so are we. This is what Jesus came to do and and what he does now through his church. Over the summer, in the mornings, we kind of thought about what it meant to be a church and, and thought about some of those 
fundamentals, but we began at the very beginning in Acts chapter 1 in Jesus, with Jesus' words to be his witnesses. And so anything that comes after that in worship, in discipleship, in learning, all of that is with the aim and with the task and with the goal of being his witnesses to those around us and establish his kingdom. So whether it's through direct evangelism or, or going on mission overseas or at home, or whether it's just living out our lives in a way that is a witness to people around us, showing Jesus to people practically, we need strength for these tasks and we need courage because often it's a lot easier and simpler for us just to, to shy away from these things, just to keep ourselves to ourselves and to do our own thing. If we do that, well, that would avoid awkward conversation if we keep ourselves to ourselves, it avoids us putting ourselves out, but we actually need courage to be his witnesses on earth. But we also need courage to be obedient to observe God's laws. God says to Joshua in chapter set, or in verse 7 of chapter 1, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. We've just come in, in this series, or we came a few months ago to the end of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And these had been written out by Moses. We, we read that when we looked in Deuteronomy. Hopefully that was a one-off. But we read in Deuteronomy 31.9, the last time that, that God commanded Moses to write down the law, and the people were, were going to keep this, and they were going to have to obey it. And Joshua was going to have to have this law flowing continually from his mouth. He would need to meditate on it. He would need to ponder it and seek to understand it and to teach it to the people. And if he was going to do this, he would be able to obey it. And, and this was the key, because it's through obedience that him and the people we're going to find success in the promised land. We've seen already that so many times through disobedience, the people were prevented from coming to the promised land. What about us? Well, we need courage to obey God's word too. It's not easy to love your enemies, is it? It's not easy to resist temptation. How do we get strength to, to do those things? Well, God is with us. We've thought about that. But, but there's more because God has given us his word, his law. And I think this is a particularly interesting part in, in Israelite history because up until now, most of God's communication with his people has been verbal. It's been spoken. The people heard God speak when they were at Sinai. Yes, they'd written it down, but primarily it was verbal communication between God and Moses but from here on in, and there would be, still be some spoken words from God to his people, but there's a shift here. God has given his people everything they need in the law. He's given them the written word. And so I think for us, if we want to be courageous and if we want to be an obedient people, if, if we want to have strength to stand for Jesus, well, that involves time in the word and being rooted in it and not turning from it, meditating on it, thinking about it. That's absolutely crucial. And we can't do it by ourselves, but we trust that the Spirit works as we spend time in the Word to change us and to make us more like Jesus. And then we need courage to, to demonstrate God's power to glorify Him. 
This is some of what we read in chapter 3. As the priests went ahead and the waters were parted, God's power was shown. God commanded that the, the Ark of the Covenant carried on the shoulders of the priests would lead the way through the river into the promised land. But the Ark represented God's word and his power and his presence with the people. God was making it very clear from the start of this conquest that he was the one who was going to lead the way. The victory was going to be his. Still waters and a dry riverbed. As soon as the priest stepped into the water, his power was shown mightily. You see, godly courage is never self-centered. It always seeks to glorify God. God knew this himself. He sought to glorify himself by commanding this. But God always goes in front of us because he is all-powerful. The old word for that is that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. Well, so long as it doesn't contradict who he is. So the Bible does tell us that God cannot lie, for example. God cannot sin. It's fine to say that God cannot do those things. God has power and authority over the universe that he created from from the largest solar system to the smallest particle. And so the glory must always go to him. Because even if we achieve great things and great things for the Lord and build this kingdom, it would be very easy for us to become puffed up. And God wants to prevent the people from doing this. So he gets them to take the stones out from the riverbed and to set them up as a memorial to what he did. So it would never become, look at this great victory in years to come. Oh, look at this great victory that we won. We were so mighty and so powerful and we turfed out the Canaanites. No, this was to remind them of the miracle that God had done in the river so that the glory would go to him. But there's something that I absolutely must say this evening and it's tied into that because there's a real danger here in saying all of this in encouraging one another to be courageous because there's a danger that we think to ourselves, well, okay, for me to follow God's ways, for me to be a great Christian, for me to do well, I need to be brave. I need to be strong. I need to have courage. And suddenly it becomes a lot about me. It becomes a lot about what I do and not about the presence of God. And because we're human and because we're sinful, it very quickly gets a lot worse than that. We've thought about the task that God gave Joshua and a little bit about the task he's given us and about his power. But if it becomes about us and what we do and us needing to have courage, then it very quickly goes to a place where we say to ourselves, maybe subconsciously, I need to do this task so that God will be with me. If I want to do well as a Christian and please God, then I need to try a bit harder. I just need to pull myself together and be a bit more courageous. If I want to see God's power, then I need to try really, really hard. I need to resist temptation just a wee bit better. I need to do this. I need to not miss a prayer meeting or a communion service or whatever it is. And it sounds ridiculous when you say it like that. But it happens. It happens to me. When I fail and, and when I mess up, very often the first thing I think is, I've really got to do better than this. Is God ever going to use me? Am I, am I going to be a minister? I need to know his courage. But there's something else that we absolutely have to say, because courage flows from grace. 
courage flows from grace. I wouldn't often quote Ernest Hemingway in a sermon, but there's one thing he said, and the quote is on your sheet, and I think it really hits the nail on the head. He says, courage is grace under pressure. Courage is grace under pressure. So it's not, if I try harder, then God will be with me, and if I have courage, then I'll be able to serve him better. But it's the other way around. God is with us because of grace. And so because of that, we can be courageous and we can serve him. The courage comes from him. Think of Joshua. God should have abandoned the Israelites a long time ago and many times along the road because they were disobedient and they were ungrateful and they were complaining and they were arrogant and proud. They doubted God so, so often. And their actions did have consequences, but God was gracious to them. They were going to enter the promised land because of his grace. His grace in delivering them from slavery in Egypt. His grace into bringing them to that point, even despite their failure. And he wasn't more gracious to this group of people because they were more obedient than their forefathers. He wasn't going to give them success because they were courageous in and of themselves, more so than their forefathers. They didn't earn God's grace. It was the other way around. God was gracious to their forefathers, and he was gracious to them. He didn't destroy them. He remained present with them despite their sin. And that was grace. It was mercy. It was undeserved. Then they could do the work that God had for them. Then they could see his glory. Then they could enjoy him and glorify him in the years to come. Jumping over just for a moment to the New Testament, I want to just read a few words from 1 Corinthians 15. They're similar to the words actually in Joshua chapter 1. Paul says this in verse 58, right at the end of the chapter. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. So Paul is encouraging us and encouraging the Christians at Corinth to stand firm. Well, why is he doing that? Well, if you jump back two verses, he says this, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can stand firm, we can be courageous because of the victory that Jesus has given us. And what's behind that victory? Well, if you jump right back to the start of the chapter, to the start of this argument in verse 10, Paul says that he's teaching this because of the grace of God in him. God is gracious to us. God has shown us his grace and he saved us in Christ. And then that's why we stand firm. That's why we have courage, not the other way around. Not if I do a bit better, then I'll discover God's grace. But God has been gracious and he has loved us and he has saved us. And so we can stand firm in him. And the strength isn't our own. It's his. Our strength is in his presence with us. When we are weak, he is strong. And then we are truly strong because it's his strength. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. It's an old hymn and it's a song which sounds like it's really a call to gee ourselves up and to do a bit better with ourselves, to pull ourselves together and to serve the Lord At least that's how I've always thought of it. But the author of that hymn was much, much wiser than me and much wiser than that. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. 
Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Courage is grace under pressure. When this life presses in on us, we have courage because God has given us grace. That's why we can stand up. Real godly courage comes from being in the presence of God. And it's only possible for us because of our Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us, and because of what he has done for us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, thank you for this story of what happened all those years ago in a place far away from here, a people far removed from us. And yet, Lord, they were your people. And so too are we because of what Jesus has done for us. Lord, thank you that in all the years that have passed since then, you have not changed. You are faithful and you are gracious and you love us despite even all of our feelings. So, Lord, help us. Help us to see more clearly what Jesus has done for us. Help us to know his grace so that we know truly that we are weak and he is strong. So, Lord, in the light of that, help us to be courageous. Father, as each of us goes out from this place into different situations and places, Lord, places where you have called us to be, places where you have called us to be witnesses for you, and places where you have asked us to share the gospel, and places where you will build your kingdom and use us to do it. Father, help us then to be courageous. Lord, may we know that you are with us, and may we draw strength, not of our own, but of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.